Hello everyone, and welcome to the Divorce Dad Diaries, and I'm your host, Stéphane Jutra. So this week I have a very, very special guest. As you know, I've been doing this podcast now over a year, and I try to share a lot of my stories and stories of others as well. And I also heard a lot of different stories coming from you all. And thinking about it and listening to all of you and all of us, sometimes we going through a very tough time and it's very hard to see the light at the end of the tunnel. But uh, I have to say that this week, my guest has gone through pretty much held and back, <laughs> if you want. His name is Bruce McLaughlin. He is a father of four kids who went through separation and divorce, but also went through a lot more which, as you'll probably hear during the interview, is really an understatement. Bruce wrote a book called He Said, She Said, and then he went to jail. So basically, Bruce got arrested in the middle of the night in his own home, in front of his son, actually, and was brought up to jail. And he was actually booked on charges of abusing his children, which he was falsely accused by his wife during an emotionally charged divorce that had already permanently shattered and scarred his family. So in that book, Bruce basically shares his, obviously his story, his confusion, rage, fear, and indignation as he was booked, tried, convicted, and jailed for a crime that he didn't commit. And even as an attorney, like I was saying, Bruce found himself uh, really ill-prepared for the challenge he was facing and trying to prove his innocence and restoring his reputation and basically rebuilding his life. So first of all, uh, welcome to the Divorce Dad Diaries, Bruce, and I want to thank you so much to uh, basically join me and also spend some time and uh, and be able to share your story. I have to say that, um, you know, it's kind of a one-of-a-kind story. <laughs> I think the listeners, where people will benefit uh, listening to it for sure. So welcome again on the show and thanks, uh, thanks for joining. Stéphane, thank you for inviting me. Oh, it's my pleasure. And and you know what? I know uh, when we first talk, uh, well, first of all, I got, I remember getting your email and after we first talked and you told me about your story and everything else and uh, we had a good chat. And I mean, a couple, uh, just a bit after I just went and got your book because I'm like, <laughs> this story is like incredible. And uh, I went to the book and to be honest, I mean, I, it, sometimes I have to stop and wonder is, is like, did that sound like straight out of a movie? I mean, and sometimes a horror movie, <laughs> I don't know how, uh, how you've been, uh, able to go through that, but, uh, it really, really an amazing story. And I think it's definitely worth sharing. And I think a lot of people should definitely do as I do and go get the book because, uh, it's, it's, it went through so fast and it's actually something, I guess that, uh, you don't think about too, too much, but something that can happen too. So definitely, I enjoyed the book very much. Thank you for that. I appreciate you taking the time to read it. Uh, the name of that book is He Said, She Said. Uh, said is capitalized uh, in the title sh under she, and it stands for sexual allegations and divorce, which is in parentheses. And then he went to jail. This is a mouthful for a title, but it works because it sets the stage for what, what happened here. Oh, yes, for sure. And and to be honest, I, I mean, reading the title already, but uh, 
Yes, definitely. Uh, <laughs> going it, digging up in the book, it's really an incredible story. And thank you for mentioning the book. And uh, we can talk a bit about it a bit later, like where to find it and everything else. But uh, if you don't mind, uh, just maybe telling us a little bit about yourself and before your marriage, how it started, all this started basically. Well, my name is Bruce McLaughlin. I am uh, originally from the Washington, D.C. area of the United States. Uh, I'd like to express a greeting to our Canadian friends as well as our U.S. friends that are on this podcast or we listen to it. And um, I, I kind of had an idyllic childhood in the sense that uh, I was raised by a mother and a father who were both uh, independently successful. My father was a uh, member of the State Department and we traveled to Europe. I was born in Germany, then West Germany. I was raised uh, in the Frankfurt International School, north of Frankfurt, West Germany, for several years. We moved to Japan. My brother was born there. He's six years younger than I am. And uh, we lived in Japan as well. Uh, raised by uh, a father who was uh, successful in his own right, and then by a mother who was an artist and later in her life became a muralist and, and regionally renowned in the Maryland and Virginia, D.C. area. I uh, became an attorney, of all things, and a trial attorney at that. Mm -hmm. And uh, when this unfortunate uh, situation occurred, when I was going through a divorce with a, a wife by the name of Robin, she was a native New Zealander. She prevailed upon our young children. I have two older boys and twin girls. Then they were nine, uh, seven, and two five-year-olds uh, to uh, believe after my second son told us in court thousands of times that this happened to them and that their father would get help by virtue of indicating to the authorities ultimately that they were fondled and sodomized and raped, literally, uh, by their father. These children having no idea what really that all meant. Yeah. That... I then found myself in quite a pickle. And I say this with my background as a trial attorney to say that if this could happen to me, a white privileged male with resources who is a trial attorney, then this can happen to anyone. And uh, my purpose in writing this book, even though it's a rather ignominious subject, is to highlight the fact, Stephane, that in cases where there is a divorce and lawyers are involved, 80% of the allegations of abuse, whether they be physical or sexual abuse, are false because there is what is little known in society as a suggestibility of mm -hmm. children. It's actually now in the diagnostic and statistics manual as a disorder, a disease, is classified also as parental alienation. 
And one parent typically can prevail upon children of a nubile age to say certain things if they say it long enough and hard enough and uh, consistently enough to believe in instilled memory. That is memory that was never there in fact, but was instilled by a power adult, such as a parent. Then these children come to believe what they've been told thousands of times, in my case, over and over again as being true. And that's where we are, or that's where we were with my case. Yeah, and and, and that's pretty, I think you mentioned a couple of very interesting uh, points on that. First of all, you know, you being in that situation, being an actual attorney, so it just shows that definitely can happen to everyone. And uh, parental alienation too, I mean, why when we first talked, I thought it would be an amazing interview on, on my show is there's two reasons. The first one was, I think it's a story that has to be told and there's a lot of good uh, things in there to kind of learn, and, and it's an incredible, incredible story for sure. And the second thing too is, and like I said, it's an incredible like, story of basically resilience, hope, and that no matter what, like at the end, you know, it's possible to go through, but at what cost? And uh, the other part too is you talk about parental alienation, and also that's another reason why I, th- I think... It is interesting and good to have you on. Is and again, talk about that in the book, and you just mentioned it. Is I get a lot of uh, emails and comments about that, and uh, not at the level maybe that you're at, obviously, but a lot of parental alienation, telling kids things that their dads did or do, so that the, the mom can keep the kids with them. And you're right, a lot of situation, and I experienced that even firsthand with little things. After a while, they start believing it's true, and and that's that's how it is, right? Stephane, let me just jump in and say this about what you just said, and that is mm-hmm. uh, the motivation of the mother in this case, the New Zealander, was yeah. to ultimately take the children back to New Zealand and uh, away from the situation where she did not wish to be in this yeah. divorce. As you know, there are some very weird things that happen in divorce with parents or with adults who are opposed to each other, particularly if they're going to court. In in this particular case, my ex-wife's lawyer was a scoundrel. He had advertisements of himself in the paper and in the bar news, posed next to a Doberman Pinzer advertising himself as someone who would do anything and everything for his client to win a divorce case. And um, you being a divorced dad, uh, I being a divorced dad, and this doesn't just apply to dads, it applies to mothers too. Of course. We were told by this lawyer to my ex-wife, look, You want to go back to New Zealand, your native country. You want to take the children there. The only way that you're ever going to be able to separate yourself from your ex-husband is if you find that there is some evidence of physical or sexual abuse, which would cause the court to pull the children away permanently from their father. And certainly sexual abuse would be the answer uh, if that happened. And of course, the the lawyer always in a very uh, slick way says, if that happens or if that had happened, Uh, putting this uh, very pernicious thought 
into the mind of a, a divorced-to-be parent. And, and that's exactly what happened here. This uh, lawyer put this into the mind, I'm sure, of the mother who then instilled this into the children. And we had this, this result, unfortunately. And I might say, too, I said to you earlier, Stéphane, that 80% of these types of cases in a divorce where there is allegations of abuse are false. But the flip side is, is that most children tell the truth. We know this inherently to be true. Uh, where the odds are that if a child in a non-divorce situation says that they were abused by, you know, anyone, we as uh, adults tend to believe those children. And so what happens is, is that juries, uh, judges, the public tends to believe children in a, a said case, a sexual allegation and divorce case, as if it was a non-divorce scenario where there was no inst installation of memory, uh, changing the, the framework of the mind of the child. And that's where I found myself. And I think you answered part of the question too, but I, I mean, uh, you talk about the lawyer that uh, your uh, ex-wife got and maybe not the good kind of attorney for sure. But the question I ask myself, like even reading the book, is what drove your ex-wife to go that far? I mean, it's, you know, it's something you want to have the kids, obviously, and you want to have the kids full time. And I think a lot of parents getting through a divorce will go through that. But I mean, this one is really kind of the next level. Maybe I'm not aware of it since you're an attorney, maybe you see more of that than they are. But I mean, is it something that happens often that they go kind of that far to basically, because I mean, it's a, those are big allegations. And Well, look, you don't have this happen as much because most people are not mentally unstable, such mm -hmm. as my ex-wife was. Okay. Because if you think it through, you as a parent are basically causing your own children to be put at risk. Exactly, exactly. Yet someone who is, uh, who is not mentally stable is willing to go to that length mm -hmm. to not necessarily put your your ex-husband in jail, even probably, you know, there's enough anger in some divorces to instill that, but to yes. put your children in a figurative jail, mm -hmm. uh, they really haven't thought it through or the parent is just mentally unstable as was the case with my ex-wife. Did you expect anything like that? You know, there's a scene in the book where I remember you basically were, I think it was at night, you were sleeping and that's where the cops came to your place. And But did you have any idea that this would get to that point? No, and, and it, it sneaks up and, and grabs you by the throat uh, mm -hmm. because it is so unbelievable. It's, it's the principle of the big lie. Mm -hmm. The big lie is where there is a falsehood that is so big that it must be true. And that is the irony of these false allegations of sexual abuse, uh, particularly in a parent who had nothing but a positive, loving relationship, as I did with my four children. I raised my children during the divorce situation more competently and, and actually before the divorce more competently than, than the mother who had some real depression issues caused by her pregnancies 
postpartum depression. She was on Prozac and uh, other types of anti-anxiety medications. Zoloft, I think, was one of them. Okay. So there's that there's that issue as well. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I, I can see definitely. I mean, mental health is definitely an, an issue, and just what happened to you is is horrific, and it's a story you don't hear every day. But sadly, we hear stories about parents and families and people. Uh, parents doing even worse thing, like decided to kill the whole family because they don't want the mother to go with the kids or vice versa. So, so I guess mental health definitely, uh, definitely doesn't help. And, well, this uh, was literally a murder, if you will. Uh, it was a murder by ambush. The mother literally murdered me and put me behind bars for four years and two months Yes. It wasn't enough time as far as she was concerned at the time because of the anger in which she had uh, stirred herself to to the level of justifying this kind of behavior that feeds off of itself and makes you even more aggressive and made more aggressive because her two boys came to her and said, Mom, you know, if you get the divorce, we want to go live with dad. Mm -hmm. Well, can you imagine what a a woman would feel like if her two oldest children said that to her, she would want to fight and literally destroy as she attempted to do with me, my life yeah. so that she could be the person caring for these children. And I think too, I mean, the, the other thing definitely destroyed your life, but one thing that I probably she didn't think about or realize is, I mean, you destroy pretty much uh, the life of your children too. Their kids involved in all this and uh, the things that the kids have to do. And it's really basically destroying your life, uh, your children's life at the end. And it, it will never be the same either way. I, I mean, I don't even tend, I, I, I don't even, I can't even realize all this would even be a win at the end, but I guess that's another story. Well, flash forward this case, uh, mm -hmm. Stephanie, and you should know my two girls live with me right yeah. now in my residence, and they are both married, mm -hmm. but they're both struggling in their marriage because they haven't resolved the issues in their life regarding these false allegations of abuse. In fact, just this year, both of them have come to realize that these allegations are not true. Yeah. It's uh, taken them, my boys, it, it was a lot faster. It's, it's happened 10 years ago with them. But with the, these uh, young ladies, uh, it's literally taken them until the age of 29, after having talked to their brothers, after having looked at parts of my book, after having thought through their own memories to understand that they really didn't have any actual memory of what happened as they can best recall. This was instilled in them. And in seeing their mother, uh, who lives in Florida, they've both visited her and they've seen how honestly weird she really is. And it's not until they've had this kind of perspective that now their whole world is turned upside down. So as where before we would blame dad because dad was the one who sexually abused me uh, to now understanding that it wasn't dad who abused them. It was their mother 
who abuse them. So now instead of having the compromised relationship with their father, they have a compromised relationship with their mother, who to this day won't admit that what four children are telling her never happened to include the fact that she never saw anything happen. She is still holding fast to the fact that she believes it happened because she can't admit it to be true. It would make her out in her own mind to be a monster. And so she's stuck literally in this very difficult place where she has not forgiven herself and she's not allowed the children in in this respect to let this go and forgive themselves as well for something they never caused. This is the real, the real heartache that I suffer. Yeah. And it's, it's always one thing that I mentioned too about that. I mean, kids, I think the, at one point they get older and they realize what's been happening and they, they, it will come out and they'll figure it out. I mean, kids are usually very, very smart on that part. Uh, it might take longer than than others. Like you said, your daughters, I guess, took, uh, took longer, longer on that part. But that's one thing that I guess at some point and a bit, again, I have pretty much full custody of my kids and it was the same thing too. Now they're with me. It's been a couple of years and I think they kind of by themselves just realizing what's been happening and uh, making their own conclusion because they're older and they're not as, I guess, influenceable as when they were maybe younger. So, Were your children alienated from you by uh, their mother? Uh, yes, they were. And again, it's never at that level, but there was at the beginning, uh, th- their mother wanted to have them full time. So that's how kind of the started. And again, the way that she portrayed me and things like that. So, uh, and stories and, uh, but the realizing and that that was my way of dealing with that is, you know, and again, like I said, it's a different uh, situation as yours, but my way was, you know what, I'll let it go and they'll figure it out by themselves and they'll see. And that's what's been happening. They see what's happening. They see what's said and they realize, you know, what I say, what I do, what their mother say, what their mother do, and and they, they can make their own conclusion. And they realize that at the end, that maybe uh, there was a bunch of stuff that were not true or that they actually see and and they made their own realization after time. So uh, did the mother invent false allegations that you were doing something wrong at all with them? I mean, the allegation was stories, how I was acting and what I've been doing and about work or, or the time I was spending with them. And like I said, it was luckily it never got at a point where it was like allegation that would have to be brought out to court and sexual allegation and things like that. So that's why that's that's why the first question I was asking you, you know, what brings someone to do that? So it never got to that way. But a lot of the stories and beliefs, I guess, that they got, they realize living with me and also kind of looking at the other side, looking at from outside and being older, they realize what's true and what wasn't true. So, mm, so How old uh, were your children at the time this happened? It was like 10 and 12. Yeah. See, they were fortunately older Mm -hmm. to the point where they had a better ability to think for themselves. Yes, of course. course. And the younger that you are, the more nubile you are, the harder it is for you to separate it from your parent. Mm -hmm. And that's why I was was lucky for that. Exactly. Is at the age that they were, even if they got influence, I couldn't imagine if they would have been like four or five years old or a lot younger. It would have been probably a completely different story. So, Stéphane, let me let me emphasize to your listeners 
that in order to avoid something like this even possibly taking place, make sure that you're not naive like I was to believe that the system will correct itself. As a lawyer, you know, I, I had faith in the system of justice and uh, I was wrong. You know, sometimes we don't get just results. Oftentimes in divorce situations, we we don't get what we want at all. But don't be naive to think that something like this could not happen. You have to, while you have the opportunity, talk to your children about this and say, look, we're going through a difficult time. Your mom and your dad have had our differences, but we don't have any issues with you. And if, in fact, either one of us bring up any allegation that we have been abusive to you, whether it be physically hitting you or touching you in your private areas or having a sexual relationship with you, that that is just not true. And you have to stand up and you have to understand that that's the truth because that's a crime. And that could be a very serious problem if we said or tried to say things that were not true and they turned out to go to court and it could result in jail for either one of us. So if any of this is an inkling that you get a sense from your child that something like this is happening, that mom is talking to me or dad is talking to me about these strange things, you need to address it with the child. Don't be afraid like I was. Stand up, be counted, talk to your children and make sure they understand the truth. That's a great tip. I think uh, the communication and and I was lucky enough that we had, again, uh, there was no like uh, allegation at that level, but just having in general an open communication with them when they're a bit older, uh, it's a bit easier, but definitely uh, making them aware of that. And one thing, that was a question I wanted to ask you if you had some uh, some tips that you wanted to share. And I think one thing, and you might maybe agree with me is on my side, at least it was to get, uh, I mean, not don't be naive and also to get represented early. My thing is I thought I could solve it myself <laughs> with my ex and we lost a lot of time, energy, fights, and, and a lot of things on that front. And I think getting someone to help you, like an attorney to help you. And in your case, sadly, I think, uh, again, going through your book, uh, maybe your first attorney that you got wasn't maybe the, the best you could have had. No, he wasn't. And that's the other thing I'd, I'd advise, Stephane. If you have a lawyer you're not really satisfied with, either because they're not aggressive enough, standing up to the other lawyer, or they're not fully apprising you of what's going on, or uh, you pay them a lot of money, a lot more than what you feel uh, that you should be paying them for what you're getting, or they're giving you bad advice that is causing you to have problems, get rid of them. Get yourself another lawyer. Get somebody who is willing to do those things that you need. Uh, because I made some mistakes with lawyers that I kept on way too long, and I, and I should have gotten rid of them a long time before I did have them terminated. Uh, one in particular, one issue came up where my lawyer encouraged me to go along with supervised visitation. 
and agree to have a supervisor around because the uh, wife, Robin, had made allegations that I was hurting the children or grabbing them or whatnot, because it started with physical abuse. And I thought, well, maybe that's a good idea. I'll have a witness there in case there's other, other false allegations. Well, I ultimately did have witnesses who came to court to testify with respect to the fact that they saw nothing untoward with respect to my relationship with the children. But because of the principle of the big lie, it didn't matter what other bystanders would see outside of a bedroom or, you know, a a room in your house where these children are saying some of this happened because it's such a big lie that it's got to be true. And that's what happened to me. That's the thing uh, you were mentioning also, like it's such a big lie and having kids involved and it's all kind of touchy, touchy subject on that part. So definitely makes it, uh, but uh, being well presented, I think it's uh, even on my side, like even going through a divorce, just a normal divorce. That's what I figured too is, is being, I mean, I had an honest discussion with my lawyer at first and she mentioned how she was uh, working and how she would attack the case and how she would go. And like you said, I figured I saw a couple of them and they have different ways of dealing with with divorce. And I assume the same thing if you go in like allegation and criminal cases. So it's it's very good to shop for them. Definitely. Yeah, it's very good to shop for them. Make sure you do Google searches. Now we have the ability with the Internet to get people's comments, not just what lawyers want you to hear on their website, but go to uh, independent sources where people have had real experiences with these attorneys. And like with anything you're shopping for, get their reviews independently and then make a a concerted, intelligent decision. And by the way, if you manage to hire somebody who's highly recommended and they're not so effective, like a, a politician that I hired who came highly recommended, but had no time for individual clients because she was always on the hill trying to represent some issue, I fired her uh, because I needed to have representation. Uh, I don't care about the politics of what she's she's doing in her main job. And and I had a question too. I, I guess you know we talk about the representation and going to court, and that's maybe one of the tough things when you go to court and your kids are there. Or I know yours maybe uh, I think they were recorded. And but. Uh, let's say we'll talk in, in, in a general case, you have to have kids, your kids to go testify in court. I guess those, a bit of preparation is with the lawyer and everything else to, to basically prepare them to go back. Because I mean, again, if you have young kids or even a bit older kids, I have to go testify or either even go and say, you know what, you want to pick which side you want to go and for custody and things like that. Is, is there a way to talk, I guess, to the children or to kind of prepare so it doesn't become kind of a fiasco in court or it's just basically you just go and say the truth. I don't know about Canadian law, but in, yeah. in most states here in the United States, there are certain uh, age limits mm-hmm. in a divorce situation where children can testify in court. In Virginia, you know, a child typically has to be at age 14 or greater to testify on the issue of who they'd like to live with, because you can imagine younger children are going to be pulled back and forth by parents saying, well, you've got to say this. And the other parents saying, well, no, you've got to say that. And 
the courts have realized long ago that this is not a uh, a tenable position to put the child in. It's not in the best interests is the typical question you ask of the uh, that a judge asks of whether a decision should be made for a child of the child. And so therefore, a lot of times kids are kept out of it. And if there's a way where you have any semblance of a relationship with the other parent, try to agree that you're not going to drag your kids into the middle of this and you're not going to talk to them about the divorce and you're not going to try to influence them one way or the other as to who they should go live with because it puts pressure on the child that is not uh, proper. And if the court finds out that you have been putting undue pressure, trying to alienate the other parent through the child, they oftentimes will change custody just on that basis alone. And your lawyer, if he's sharp, will point that out to the court because it's something that should not happen. Thank you. I think that's good info. Uh, so, so just to, I guess, once you were basically exonerated of everything and all those allegations were dropped and everything was dropped. I mean, is there a semblance of going back to normal after that? Like how, how, how did that uh, happen with that? Because I know you did a lot of work when, after you, you got basically uh, your license back, I guess, and uh, you started working a bit on those cases and helping out as well, right? And changed some legislation as well. That's what I, I saw that on your side fortunate to be acquitted on a second trial because mm -hmm. evidence was withheld by a prosecutor yeah. uh, and not found by my own defense lawyers who were also committing malpractice, so said the appellate courts, that allowed me a second trial uh, in violation of my constitutional rights. That's why the justice system in Canada and America, I believe, is good in the respect that if there is a wrong that's committed, the system can sometimes correct itself, uh, particularly if you have a written constitution that's been violated and uh, your lawyers, your new lawyers can point out to the court, can overturn a wrong, uh, which happened in my case. And I got that new trial. I was able then to get my bar license back as a result of an acquittal. And I was able to practice law again, uh, divorce law, uh, criminal law, and be passionate for various defendants who went through the same courts that had put me behind bars for four years and two months. And so I was able to pay it forward in that respect. And the good Lord gave me an opportunity to break through all the, the difficulties by being able through the very system that had, had wronged me to do what might be right and to help other people avoid what I went through. It's very therapeutic and I didn't have to pay a, a dime for it from a psychiatrist. Yeah, it's very true. Yeah. It's a big price to pay, but I agree. I guess it's probably very therapeutic at the end. Uh, well, Bruce, uh, I, I can't thank you enough. I mean, this was really, really amazing. And, and I want to tell everyone, if you want to know more about the story and everything, please go uh, go get uh, Bruce's book. I mean, I got it on the Apple ebook store, Amazon, Sarabo, everywhere. I don't know, uh, Bruce, if you want to add anything where if someone wants to get uh, the book or wants to get in touch with you or needs help. Uh, Stephane? Yes. Let me say that... Um, people can purchase this book, as you, as you said, on Amazon, 
com. And if people have problems or they know of people who have problems in a divorce situation uh, where there's been some false allegations of abuse or any allegations of abuse, I'm happy to weigh in on uh, helping that uh, scenario and give advice where there may be some some help needed as to you know what to do in these situations what experts to use or what expertise should you consider what should you avoid what what is it that you should do in the way of getting a lawyer and all of that i'm happy to weigh in on uh, my business cell phone is 240-344-0082. I'm happy to answer your call or, or call you back if you leave a message. Perfect. And my email address is bwmcl, Bravo Whiskey Mike, Charlie Lima, in military speak, at verizon.net. That's perfect. I'll put everything uh, on the website anyways, because usually... Uh, there's a, the current podcast, I have a full page, so I'll put all the information where the book can be found and your website as well for the book and, and everything. And yeah, some of your information. So definitely if, if anybody needs any help on the, on the law side, and I guess to live in the US, I can contact you. So that will be available. So really, really happy to have you on. And maybe at some point we can do, you know, another episode on uh, exactly how you pick a good lawyer and uh, and all those uh, those tricks. Too. So maybe I'll that could be. I'd be happy to do that, uh, <laughs> Stephane. Let me say, if I can, in parting, of course, I appreciate your your podcast helping people who are going through difficult situations to do the very thing that you learned. How, what maybe not to do or how, how you had uh, been compromised. You're trying to give back through what you're doing here. And I commend you for it because that's what uh, perhaps uh, our faith or the good Lord would have us to do. And I, I, I made it through these very, very difficult times. And the last thing I want to say, and I wanted to tell people that if you keep your faith uh, if you stay strong in understanding that uh, despite it all, you are loved and you are very much of a value to your creator, that you can make it through the most difficult, through the darkest of times. You're the proof of it. <laughs> you need not take things into your own hands and do something dumb. You can, in fact, make it as both you and I have seen in, in the real world. Yeah, I always say it. And sometimes it's hard to see the light at the end of the tunnel. And sometimes you don't want to hear that when you're at the bottom. And I'm sure it was your case. And But usually it gets better. So definitely to keep faith on that front. But thanks, thanks to you as well for sharing this and helping out as well. I think, like I said, there's a lot of people out there. And why I started my podcast, I probably said a million times before, but it's really because... There wasn't a lot of information around this I found out there, and I wanted to kind of share a bit my story and people's story. And I discovered that I met a bunch of incredible people like yourself and that share their stories and hopefully make, uh, you know, even if you can help one or two people, that's already uh, a win in there. So so thank you again for all the work you've done uh, for your book and what you're doing. And I'm glad that it ended up well and we can actually talk now. <laughs> That's right, Stefan. And uh, my hat's off to you because of your podcast. Keep up the good work and I'm happy to get back on if you want to do a, a second session. Thank you for I inviting me into this one. 
Thank you so much. Thank you, Bruce. All right. Bye-bye. Thank you again for spending time with me. And I really hope you enjoyed uh, the last interview with Bruce. And as always, if you have any questions or anything, feel free to reach out to me at uh, thedivorcedaddiaries at gmail.com. If you have any questions or you want to reach out uh, to Bruce or to me, please don't hesitate. You can also find this interview and all the past episodes on my website, www.thedivorcedaddiaries.com and also on Facebook, on Instagram and Twitter. So please feel free to reach out and I really hope you enjoyed this one. I know I really did. And there's a lot more to come. So please feel free to subscribe to the podcast so that way you won't miss any episode and you'll get a notification whenever I post a new one. And also you'll keep up to date with what's happening. So I hope you have a great week and talk to you soon. Bye-bye.